Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulihi al-kareem wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the first ever Ilmfeed podcast with your host, Shabir Hassan, alhamdulillah. It's, uh, it's, it's a different setting, alhamdulillah, to be here behind the microphone uh, for all of our viewers and for our listeners as well. A huge, huge welcome to you all to the first podcast. Really, really excited uh, to get this started, inshallah. We're going to have some really inspirational guests um, from across the globe, um, not just local, but from different countries, inshallah, whether that be shuyukh and uh, you know, different inspirational speakers, or it might even be artists as well, creatives uh, from the Muslim scene, inshallah. We're looking forward to it. Uh, on this occasion, however, for the first ever one, we have a very, very special guest uh, with us. Uh, he has travelled across the world, alhamdulillah, um, but his journey began here in the UK. He was born here in a place that we, as uh, people of Britain, call Leicester Sharif, right? <laughs> and um, he moved to Zimbabwe. He's now currently based in Riyadh, and alhamdulillah, he's been studying for many, many years. He's a qualified judge. Um, if you've heard of institutes... Uh, such as like Al-Kawthar, for example, he has a big role to play in places like this. So it gives me the great pleasure for the first ever Umfeed podcast to welcome our dear Sheikh Sajid Umar. As-salamu alaykum. How are you, Sheikh? Wa barakatuh. I'm well, thanks. Ahlan wa sahlan. Thank you so much. being here with you all. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much, first and foremost, for joining us. As you're aware, this is our first ever podcast. So, you know, we have the pleasure of inviting you onto the show for the first ever one. Alhamdulillah. It's a great honor. It's a great honor. khair. Alhamdulillah. As we mentioned, your journey started here in the UK. So how long have you been away for now? A long time. A long time. I was I was born here, but very early on, um, yeah. family um, migrated, should we say, mm. uh, to Zimbabwe. Okay. Um, my dad loved the sun more. Yeah, yeah. And uh, since um, 2003, uh, I moved to Riyadh and I've been based there ever since. Mashallah. Okay, so you've been away from the UK for a long time then. A long, long time. But I have been blessed to visit, um, yeah. you know, good brothers like yourself and um, the families here. Mm. Um, over the years, several times, alhamdulillah. So it's, uh, even though it's been away for a long time, but mm. um, we've been in touch. Alhamdulillah. Mm. And um, do you think things have changed in the UK? I mean, it must have changed I mean, since, since you were living here. It, um, no doubt. It doesn't snow that much, uh, <laughs> um, uh, firstly. But um, the whole globe's changing, right? And yeah, globalization yeah. Yeah. Uh, creates creates change everywhere. So I think it's it's experienced the change that uh, many other countries have experienced um, as well. Mm. Aside of uh, Brexit, but we won't go there. <laughs> yeah, let's let's. This is the first show, Sheikh, so we can't go there. <laughs> it's too deep. Um, but uh, okay, that's good. So in terms of um, you coming to UK, so how long have you been here now, for example, this time round? Um, it's been a while, about uh, two weeks now. Okay. Yeah, alhamdulillah. We've and been uh, traveling um, all over. Yeah. Um, trying to ignite communities that benefit humanity. Mm, yes. So this is something actually that uh, I've heard from yourself a lot from videos. Um, and, you know, I'm very fond of your work, mashallah. And you do mention this a lot, that you want to ignite communities. So, of course, alhamdulillah, you've traveled uh, across the world and you've seen different communities. Um, let's start off. By, by asking you, um, in 2018, mm. how many places did you travel to? <laughs> oh, that's really um, a question which is sudden. It would require me to think, yeah. really. It would require me to think. <laughs> Not I mean, many? Uh, Allah's most kind. You know, almost um, uh, every month there's, the, the, there's a few I'm travels. Right. Um, that's how it's been. Okay. And I'm um, grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that um, He's um, affording me the opportunity Mm-hmm. Uh, to um, p- try and create this this vision and yeah. spread the knowledge of it. Alhamdulillah. So, um, so give us a few names then, just just so just so you know, uh, the viewers and the listeners can be enlightened of how uh, many places you've been to. Th- I've been to the UK several times this yeah. year. Um, okay. Along with that, there's uh, Australia. There's yeah. been uh, countries in Southern Africa, mm-hmm. uh, countries in the Middle East. Um, and then uh, this Canada, if we move westwards, mm-hmm. uh, just to name uh, a few. Mashallah. And um, most interesting place that you've that you've been to? Let's okay, n- not not you know throughout the years, but let's say just last year, two thousand eighteen. I would say Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Mm. Right. Why is that? 
I've never been. You, so. you, you, it's you know, you, you, you feel that the communities there mm. uh, in this region have reached uh, perhaps uh, a phase where communities in the UK were, were, you know, or in the West were around, let's say, two thousand and eight. That sincere zeal to learn, that sincere zeal to develop. Mm. Um, you know, every program run there is is attended by uh, a range. Uh, of Muslims there and um, you know if you see the emotion uh, in one Muslim you see it spread across uh, the rest in the audience there's mm. just a sincere uh, zeal and sincere appreciation uh, of uh, learning Islam and and and, and uh, feeling honored because of it you know yeah. developing this uh, there's this izzah, uh, that uh, people have and are searching uh, for information to further grow it mm. uh, that was interesting for me I mean, obviously, it's a, it's it, it it has its beauty, yeah. and every country has it's all the creation of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. But uh, since you 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 know you you put across the question that way, that was definitely a standout. Wow, very interesting. Yeah, so I've I've never been to uh, Sri Lanka, so now now that you've mentioned it, maybe it's 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 one of those places that we have to visit now, inshallah. In most definitely, most definitely. Inshallah. And pass salam to the Muslims there from me when you do. Inshallah, inshallah. Um, so, like you said, you've been in the UK now for for some time, so. Mm. What is it exactly that you do each time you visit, whether it's the UK or different countries? What is it that you know Sheikh Sajid gets up to during his visits? Yeah, Alhamdulillah. So um, there's several um, there, there's several opportunities and several objectives uh, mm. when I do come. Uh, sometimes uh, the opportunities that bring me here are seminar related, either across half a day or a day or two days. Mm. Um, you just mentioned the Kothar Institute, so we run uh, double, uh, we run single weekend. Uh, seminars that start in the morning and end uh, in mm -hmm. the evening across two days. Um, sometimes I come for programs uh, more related to families um, and sometimes for these lecture tours. Um, right now I'm I'm here for a lecture tour. So we've been um, visiting several masajid across the UK from London all the way up to uh, Manchester and now we're yeah. coming back down. Okay. Um, and um, the aim is just to sort of uh, contribute to that original da'wah, the grassroots da'wah of using the masajid to, um, you know, uh, bring people to it firstly, and we pray together, and then we sort of we, we sort of have the opportunity to learn together from the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and it's been heartwarming. You know, the attendances have been uh, have been great, and um, in terms of uh, the series that we're running, I feel that thus far we've achieved the objectives. Mm. Uh, of the lectures given um, based on feedback from the different masajid that we've, we've we've been to and obviously making it clear to them that uh, a lecture is just a lecture it means nothing if it's not followed up by action mm. and a lot of people feel good yeah, after yeah. the lecture um, but if there's no action then that good feeling is irrelevant mm. that's a very good point actually i mean you i mean because because you speak so much about igniting communities you want to see communities that ultimately benefit humanity, right? Um, so, I mean, from your travels, are you seeing, you know, are you seeing a lot of khayr in the ummah, so to speak, in, in, in a time, in a, in a day and age where now things are really, like, negative, mm -hmm. you know, the outlook is quite negative. So, yeah. so what, what are you seeing on the ground level? Wallahi, there's a lot of khayr. There's mm. a lot of goodness. Uh, the millennials are, uh, they, you know, they're, they're active. Mm. Uh, and uh, they're sort of taking a lead from uh, the work that was phenomenal from our elders, right? Uh, no doubt they didn't have uh, the knowledge that we find the millennials having today in terms of uh, Islam and its sciences and what it teaches and what it promotes. But our elders did great work. I mean, just take the UK, for example, the amount of masajid and Darul Ulooms and mm. uh, educational institutions that exist that were started up by those who definitely didn't have uh, the knowledge that uh, the new generation has. But Alhamdulillah, we see the new generation following up in different ways. Uh, Umfid, for example, is... is uh, uh, is an example, right? Mm. Um, and there's many similar examples uh, across the different countries. Um, it's not just Islamic efforts being led by uh, graduates from Islamic seminaries. We find uh, people who are doctors, who are lawyers, who are professionals, they're into marketing, they're into design, they're into different uh, contemporary spheres, yeah. but they're also <clears throat> taking a lead in terms of uh, being in the service of Islam for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this khair is there. Um, my message um, ac across the different spheres and countries that I go to is the importance of ensuring 
that we don't fall into a vortex of uh, a lot of movement, but, but very little progress. Mm. And uh, this is something I find uh, in, in, in my inner workings with millennials, uh, that uh, they're very uh, active, they have uh, a sincere desire, um, but sometimes it's a case of not appreciating the journey that's required to achieve quantum results, mm. right? And the ignition I'm talking about is quantum ignition because uh, it stems from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as our leader and mentor and role model, right? That's what he was about. The world was in darkness and he ignited it, right? Mm. Um, and then also his brethren from the Anbiya alayhi salatu wa salam, where Yusuf alayhi salam who was... Uh, a worthy citizen of every environment that he was in, in his father's home, in the well, when he was extracted and stolen, basically, in, in that journey to Egypt, he was a worthy citizen, then even in the slave market of Egypt, despite the harms of that market, we see that he was a worthy citizen there, uh, growing up in, in the minister's palace, he was a worthy citizen there. When he was locked up in a room with the minister's wife, he was a worthy citizen there and an important role model there. Then even when he was tested with all the women of the city, um, he was an inspiration at that moment. Even in the prison, mm -hmm. he was uh, an inspiration. And then thereafter, um, helping the king with his dream and then becoming the minister uh, himself and then also how he reconciled matters with his family. The, we have countless examples. And this is just one prophet. We have... Uh, a heritage <clears throat> of uh, prophets, the brothers of our beloved Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we see how they happened to the world. They brought quantum progress to the world. And there's no more prophets to come. But that legacy, the legacy of prophethood mm -hmm. is now sat um, on the shoulders of the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We collectively carry this legacy, right? So if that is the case, then ignition has to be our mandate and we have to ignite communities that benefit mm. uh, humanity because this is how we will um, be diligent with the responsibility on our shoulders. The world needs us. Mm. So when you, say, when you say us, does that mean like every listener, every viewer? Or what if someone thinks, oh, you know what, that's just reserved for the, 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 people, the people of knowledge, you know, the shiuch? No, I, I mean every, I mean every, everyone who... Uh, declares Allah as one mm. and accepts Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as the final messenger, mm. they are part of the solution. We collectively carry this legacy, mm. right? We collectively carry this legacy. And, um, you know, interestingly, you said that because a lot of the times, um, especially in the age that we're in with Islamophobia and all the isms that are being thrown uh, at our communities, um, we see people pointing fingers at the scholars and the du'at and the students of knowledge, the propagators of Islam, that where, where are mm. they and where's the leadership and, you know, why isn't the help coming? Uh, but the reality is it's easy to point a finger. But we must remember the three fingers pointing back. Mm -hmm. And it's for every Muslim to ask themselves that, am I doing my part to carry this legacy? Because if I opt out, then the weight of the legacy only becomes heavy on the few that have opted in. Mm. That's the reality, right? Yeah, yeah. So we got to ask ourselves that, you know, uh, in my, within my sphere of influence, am I helping the scholars and the propagators and the students of knowledge? Mm. Or am I living my life in a way that's, that's making the weight heavier upon them? So no doubt we collectively carry this legacy. We are interdependent beings. And that is why Allah said that this nation is mm. the best of all nations. Yeah. And the nation is not... It includes the clergy and it includes the laity. It, clu mm. it includes, uh, you know, the realm of scholarship and, and, and the masses as well. Mm. I mean, in, in that verse, which you've, you've quoted quite a few times in Surah Ali Imran, isn't it? Yes. Um, how we're called, you know, the best of nations. But then how important do you think in the verse also how it says that we've been produced for mankind mm. and not for Muslims, for example? or not just for a particular, you know, uh, group. Uh, mm. How important do you think is that part in the verse as well for us? No, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's absolutely important. And that's why the vision says ignited communities that benefit humanity. Mm. Huh? That's why the, uh, that vision stems from that, that, that ayah. You know, the bottom line is there's no title void of responsibility. And if Allah says you are the best of all nations then you have to very quickly ask yourself why. Yeah. It can't be 
you know, as simple as just being born after the advent of Rasulullah wasallam. There has to be a fundamental reason why you are carrying this title. Mm. Because in life, there's no title void of responsibility. You know, you have a line manager and above him you have the COO. As the title gets bigger, the responsibility between them also is, is different, right? Yeah. And then you, you go up to the CEO, you see the same thing. There's a difference in title, but also a vast difference in, in responsibility. Same thing with, with education. You have a, a teacher and you have a head teacher and you have a principal. Between these titles, um, there's a distance. And also there's a distance between the responsibilities that these, these titles carry. Mm, yeah. So um, Allah calls us the best for a reason. And in this very same uh, ayah that you're referring to, Kuntum Khaira Ummatin Ukhrijat lin nasa, in the first quarter of the of the fourth juz, uh, as Allah says you're the best of nations, he tells us why. So the answer is in the same verse. The answer is in, in the very same ayah. He doesn't separate it. And what is the answer for, for those who are wondering? Uh, for those who are wondering, it's it's uh, clearly um, because we collectively now carry the legacy of the Anbiya mm. We are inviters towards good and promoters of virtue. We are barriers in front of the spread of evil. Mm. Right? We are advocates against evil. And we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are the, the three fundamental reasons. And it was for these, fund, uh, these three responsibilities that the best of individuals were the Anbiya They carried this responsibility by themselves. Mm. But after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there's no prophet. There's no um, uh, further revelation. Mm. But mankind continues to exist. Shaitan continues to exist. Desires and whims and fantasies continue to exist. So what happens to the people? What happens to humanity? The ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam happens to them. That's why it's fundamentally important for the solace of the globe that the Muslims play their role as Muslims. So we're talking about here enjoining good. So you have al-amru bil maruf, and then you have nahi anil munkar, right? Um, so, like, so is that is that a role for everyone? So is that a role for all of the Muslims? Um, mm. And are there levels to this? Uh, and and, I, and I'm going to get to my point shortly. Mm. I just want I just want you to answer this because we're gonna we're gonna bring it bring the discussion into social excellent, media. Excellent. I mean, look. Um, if we say we are interdependent beings and we collectively carry this legacy, then we're absolutely saying that these three responsibilities are for every Muslim, mm. but within their capacity. Mm. And there are rules and regulations regarding how to be diligent with uh, these three matters. And Rasulullah spread this knowledge. And in terms of knowledge, yes, um, this knowledge that it's enough for scholarship uh, to know. Uh, for Islamic scholars to to know that knowledge and if the community needs it then they have a reference point for it but we also know that there's knowledge in Islam that is compulsory upon every Muslim to know there's no excuse for not knowing it yeah. right and if this is our reality as beings as members of the of, of the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and carriers of the title of the best of all nations then we need to be seeking out that um, uh, that knowledge um, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Ballighu anni ayah Teach someone something from me Even if it's an ayah We don't belittle any good teaching We always um, do something And leave something for the sake of Allah Almighty alone So we never look at the size Of what's mm. being done or what's being left We look at the reality of the being That it's being done or left for Right? Yeah. Uh, and then also Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Taught us that this concept of da'wah And inviting towards good and forbidding evil, um, it happens in, in stages depending on circumstance. Sometimes it's done in action because we have the ability to. Sometimes it's done um, in dialogue because that's the only uh, opportunity and uh, uh, option available to us. And sometimes the situation is so dire that it's done with our heart. Mm. So it's always being done, right? Um, to the Muslims who say, we don't know. Uh, or, or, or we can't, not necessarily we don't know, we recognize wrong, but we, we can't just, we can't assist the situation with our hand yeah. and our tongue. I say to them, but what about your heart? Have you become desensitized to that which is sinful? Have you become desensitized to suffering? That, you know, you see it and it doesn't even prick your heart, that you don't feel the need to raise your hands and ask for, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala His assistance and help. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the least... You can, you can observe da'wah 
with your heart and if the Muslims in their masses were sincerely making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then no doubt our situation would be better and um, through the different travels and speaking to different communities about the reality that I'm sharing now many put put up their hands and say you know what you're absolutely you're absolutely right we mm -hmm. don't even make dua about these things in fact we we're so desensitized to it we've stopped even seeing it as an issue wow mm. yeah that's a very good point I mean yeah I guess that's the you know like like it says in the hadith that there's a low level right you know that at least the minimum you can do is make dua and I, I guess the collective effort of everyone making dua uh, that would have made a difference so you're right in that sense and subhanallah um, from your travels I know you've spoken to different communities as well and they would have mentioned these points um, but coming that coming back to the point of what we're saying about you know uh, roles being exclusive to certain people mm. or, or not others so what would your advice be to to those people who they have they have sincere intentions you know they want to enjoy the good and they want to forbid mm. the evil but sometimes they they might be stepping out of their zone they yeah. might be now walking into territory territory mm. which is reserved maybe for people of knowledge now mm. they don't have mm. the the qualifications it's it's uh, it's amazing that you you asked this because i've been discussing this with um uh, senior scholars uh, in, in, in the UK during this trip that look we got to also appreciate the time that we live in and that mm. uh, it's so dynamic that our reach our ability to reach uh, certain elements of society can only be through artists for example mm. through sports personalities uh, for example through um, millennials who are qualified in different fields, different contemporary uh, sciences and specializations, but they do have, um, the, uh, they have a better reach mm. uh, to, sec uh, to, to segments and sectors of society that we don't have that reach to. So um, what we need to do is collaborate. We need to say that, look, you guys work within these spheres, but mm. there should be a collaboration. <clears throat> there should be protocol that, you know, at least we can have uh, an association with these movers and shakers mm. right and then they go about their way doing the moving and shaking but it's done in a way that brings about the net result at the end of the day has to be maslaha because that's what islam came for islam came to bring about benefit and make it abundant and it came to reduce harm and eradicate it right so um and allah says collectively work together upon goodness upon piety and taqwa Right. So um, you've, you've, you've mentioned a fundamental point and um, this uh, more discussions need to happen about this, that look, guys, we need to appreciate that we live in unique times and appreciate that, alhamdulillah, we have millennials with great desire and great abilities, not just desire. They, they, they are in the spaces. Um, they do have a rapport with segments of the society that scholarship has no access to. Mm. Let's work together to try and achieve the goals that we all that we all want to achieve at the end of the day we're not calling to uh, to a color we're not calling to a logo we're not calling to a name mm. uh, we're calling to islam it's about brand islam right and uh, if we can if we can have that understanding then alhamdulillah uh, that's a foot in the door in terms of us working together and mm. i always share this example that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he was stoned in ta'if and was given the option to uh, to take revenge, basically, right? That uh, look, this this is what they've done, and this is the option that Allah has 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 opened up for you. You know, the angels of the mountains are ready mm -hmm. to move these mountains together and crush everyone in between. And he says, no, um, they don't understand. Perhaps their progeny will. Right? If we crush them, we're not leaving the door open. We're not calling to brand Muhammad. Mm. We're calling to brand. Islam. It's not about brushing my ego or how I feel. It's about achieving the objective, right? Mm. And um, you know, if if we if 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 uh, the movers and shakers um, have a vision, and that vision uh, is to create this world of ignited communities that benefit humanity, and this vision is shared by scholarship, then of course, together we should have that collaboration, and uh, through that collaboration, we'll achieve great things. Mm. Nice way you put it there, and. Uh... There are there are a lot of um, there are a lot of people out there, especially for example, sports personalities, right? Um, you're you're a Liverpool fan, I've heard. <laughs> so you have, for example, uh, you have, for example, um, Mo Salah, right? Uh, so he's creating waves. Everyone's he speaking is, about he him. 
is I, I was just just before the podcast we were talking about our brother Muhammad and and yeah. how he uh, there's articles now yeah in terms of how he has changed perceptions mm. uh, with regards to the non-Muslims and the local masajid in Liverpool right, right? okay and local imams have informed me in Liverpool uh, you know um, about the visits they get from non-Muslims now to the masjid really this was not something they would uh, this is not something that the imams were accustomed to before. Mm. Um, that the most Salah trained Muhammad Salah uh, Allah uh, preserve him in his obedience mm. I mean uh, before that train came along so yeah. uh, what he has done scholarship probably would not achieve mm. uh, in decades Allah knows best right in the space of one season one Premier League season uh, he's changed the perceptions of Islam and the Muslim people are asking about Salah during Ramadan. They were asking about Ramadan and asking about fasting because I think the Champions League uh, final happened uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in Ramadan. So these are th- these are tools that mm. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is opening uh, for the Ummah. And um, um, you know, as I said, Allah preserve him in his obedience and he continues to be uh, a tool of guidance and ignition. I believe he has inspired people to um, sort of come closer. Yeah. Uh, to their to their faith and showcase their skills without having to um, have an inferiority complex because they're in a particular space as a Muslim. I think he's brought that uh, he, he's he's brought that that honor uh, in that perspective. Yeah. So we've I mean we've spoken about like the lowest level. Mm. Um, you know, just at least in your heart thinking thinking that something is bad or, you know, um, or at least making dua. And now we're speaking about, you know, someone who has that platform now. So that that basically proves to us that everyone does have a role, right? Every single Muslim has a role because sometimes other people might get frustrated. You know, I don't have a certain following. I don't I don't influence people enough. Mm, mm. Um, so what is it that I can really do? You know, so so what would your message be for? Let's say the average Muslim out there mm. um, just going to work, coming back as a family, but you know, for them, they think, "What, what, really, what khair can I bring to the ummah?" Yeah, you know what? It's not about followership, mm. and uh, this is from the ills of our time. You know, mm. the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he he tells us about uh, the day of qiyamah, and uh, he th- th- there will be some prophets with no following. Mm. It's not about followership, right? It's about value creation. It's about creating value. It's not about creating profit. It's about creating value. Mm. It's not about creating followership. It's about creating value. Right. Uh, at the end of the day, it's about you uh, living true to the testimony of faith that you announced. It's about walking the talk. Allah says, "Inna ladina qalu Rabbun Allah thumma istaqamu." Right. That you said your Lord was Allah. Now you walk the talk. You acted like your Lord was Allah. Mm-hmm. You thought like your Lord was Allah. You spoke like your Lord was Allah. You had mannerisms like your Lord was Allah. That is value creation. Right. That is uh, beautifying yourself. And if you beautify yourself and move on earth, then beautification uh, or, uh, you know, you'd naturally be gentle. And gentleness was not added to anything except that it beautified it, right? So if you're a gentle human being, because if you follow Islam and you practice its rules and regulations, by default, you would be that person. Mm. And then you moved on earth, you'd be adding beauty to earth. Right. So and that's on a simplistic level. That's just you looking after yourself. But as human beings, you know, we imitative by nature, we influenced uh, by our environments. You being who you are will naturally have an effect on those around you. So, you know, you don't need a Facebook like to know you're creating value. Mm. But just being who you are uh, would naturally create value. There are people we have influenced and we don't know that we've influenced them. They are. They are people who, uh, it's just about leaving good. <clears throat> plant seeds of good. You know, they talk about, even in the winter, yeah. plant the seeds. Because it's in the summer that with, with some sunshine, it will, that seed will grow and turn into a rose. Mm. Right? And we say, now it's winter, forget about it. Just be good, plant goodness. Speak a goodly word, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, tells us to, uh, to do. So I think, I think sometimes we conflate it, and this is what makes us feel like we decapacitated. We sort of hyperventilate that, you know, I don't have the following, I don't have this. I, there's always this external look when it comes to, uh, it comes to, to, to achievement. It's all about the show, the personality. Mm. We, little, we, we focus very little on character. Focus on character. Achievement's also in the character. It doesn't mean that it's not recognized that it's not an achievement. 
right? And if you're living for the sake of Allah, then you know it's recognized. That's, 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 a, that's a default reality. That's a, reali- a reality that no one can spin or take away from you, mm. right? So if you're sincere with Allah and you live your life to create value, then indeed you are being true to the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and making a difference. It's not about whether you recognize the difference now or not. It's about recognizing it on the day of Qiyamah. And you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you see deeds and you say, Allah, whose deeds are these? And Allah will tell you that, you know, that day you did that, so-and-so was inspired, so they changed their life and every good deed that they did, we gave you a portion of it. Mm. The other day you did that and so-and-so was inspired and because of that, they did good deeds and we rewarded you uh, a portion of those rewards as well because you were a means of their change, right? Mm. So, and that's what the scholars before us used to say, that um, if you can't do good, don't create harm. Mm. You know, leave it at a base level, right? Because um, at the end of... The, and, and what does that teach us? That if you are a person, and sometimes we live in these ages, and this is a discussion we also have in scholarship, that sometimes, you know what? A win is not moving from uh, minus 12 to minus 13. It's minus, but we didn't make it worse. Mm. That's in some, uh, in, in some circumstances, that's a win, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you didn't move from minus 12 to minus 11, mm. mi- to minus 11 and then you, you'd sit down and sort of become sad that what's the point? I haven't created benefit. But the benefit you created was that you stopped it going to minus 13. That is benefit. Mm. It's all about perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So is that, is that your definition of legacy? What, what would your definition of legacy be? Look, legacies differ from person to person. Mm. And, uh, uh, you know, some people leave a legacy of education. Some people leave a legacy of action. Uh, some people leave a legacy of entrepreneurship. Legacies can differ, right? But it's, it's about, um, it's, it, you know, it, it's not about just the legacy. It's what value did the legacy uh, create? And a lot of the times we call something a legacy when we appreciate its value. Right. So there's many routes to Jannah. Right. You can leave as many. I mean, you can choose a, you know, your route to Jannah and leave a legacy as a result of it. The bottom line has to be us being Jannah centric. If I can, if I can say that in our approach Mm. that we build Jannah with every breath that we take with the waking of every day and the sleeping of every evening become a Jannah building entity. Be on earth in a way that your Jannah feels you. Because of La ilaha illallah, there's a connection between us and our Jannah. It can't only be that our Jannah feels us when we fast Ramadan or when we you know, go to the masjid for salah uh, or when we give charity uh, or when we, when, we, when we do da'wah, for example. You know, we can't restrict our ability to build Jannah in doing those acts which are acts of worship in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. Right, um, we got to appreciate. We got to understand that through La Ilaha Illallah, we have the ability to 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 have. Uh, we have the ability to convert our norms into ibadah, into worship. And if we do so, then we've converted our norms into a gender-building exercise. Right, and that's that's value. You know, just uh, during this tour, my message to the different communities. You know, was why do you go to the gym to lose weight? Why do you go to why do you go to university for a degree? Why do you work to put food on the table? You know, that's what those who don't believe in Allah do, and that is a result of what you do anyway. If you go to the gym and you diligent, you're gonna you, you're gonna get fitter. You're gonna lose weight. That's a result. Mm-hmm. Why are you making results your purpose? Right? Make Allah Subhanahu wa Taala your purpose. It's, it's not going to take away anything from that which you have to do. You're still going to go to university the same hours. You're going to work the same hours. You'll go to, uh, to the gym the same hours. But the difference is if you make Allah your purpose, you get fit at the gym and you build Jannah at the, at the same time. If you go to university, you get a degree and you build Jannah at the same time. If you go to work, you get your salary at the end of the month and you build Jannah at the same time. That is bringing value. Having a gender-centric approach to life. Mm. Okay. So... Anyone can um, can get reward for, for like just day to day things. Is that what you're trying to say? Of course, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught the Sahaba that, and they, they told the Sahaba even in these things we can we, we can build jannah. He says, well, if you did it in the haram way, what would you get? You get sins, right? Yes, those are norms of life. Which if you mm-hmm. do it incorrectly, you're sinful, <clears throat> and there's a punishment 
as a result. If you do it the right way, you build Jannah. It's about making Allah your purpose. Become Jannah-centric. And that's, that's the legacy I'm trying to create and, and uh, leave with the Ummah. That, uh, you know, if I can be remembered, it will be remembered as, as the guy who wanted to ignite communities and benefit humanity. And that's what he was an advocate for. And that's what he, um, and that's what he spread. That the, the Ummah, you know, they have a podium. A podium of excellence that Allah gave to them. It's a God-given podium. No one can take it away. This is the mm. power of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Right? I sincerely just want the Ummah to assume their podium of excellence. The podium has been given. It's up to us to assume it. Right? And um, we got to do what we have to do. That part Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has left upon us. Let's get some uh, practical tips now for, mm. for, for, for Muslims, um, be it in the West or anywhere around, around the world. Mm. Uh, we want some practical tips for them to really become you know, Jannah-centric, as you nicely put mm. it, mm. and uh, for them to, to create and add that value and to leave behind their own legacy. This is a massive uh, topic, really. And, and yeah. I, te I, I teach this over workshops spanning several hours and we never do justice to it. Um, but, you know... Um, I mentor many of the youth, uh, alhamdulillah, with the fadl and honor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and uh, there's a couple of things I try and implement with them very early on. Number one, the importance of cave days. All right. Um, what do I mean by cave days? Thinking days. Okay. Thinking days. Okay. I call it cave days because caves have a, a relationship with guidance in our history. Yeah, yeah. If you look at Surah Al-Kahf, a whole surah named after the cave. Mm. And it was a means of protection of the guidance of the people who, who went in there. If we look at the Quran, it was revealed in a cave. And the Prophet ﷺ was in a cave to get away from the, you know, the, the noise of chaos. Right? And, and, and try and understand how he should worship Allah and be guided. And ultimate guidance came to him there. If we look at the migration of guidance... The Hijrah, it also has a cave. Yeah. The cave has, you know, it's, it's a symbol of, it, it has a symbolical association with guidance. So I call it a cave day, but I mean by thinking days. That, you know, we need to have regular days in our months. And as we get better with it than every quarter, at least, uh, whereby we sit down, we switch off from technology, switch off from the internet, switch off from the noise of society and go have a meeting with ourselves. Right? And really ask ourselves, get, get to grips with where we are and where we want to go and how well we're doing in getting there. Some people think they're great parents, but are they? They think they're great children, but are they? They think they're great employees and employers, are they? When did you sit down and take yourself to account? Mm -hmm. It's a concept of muhasaba, right? Take yeah, yeah. accountability. Hasibu and fusakum qabla an tuhasibu. Take accountability of yourself before, it, before it's done for you, as Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an said. And, and, and what I asked them to do is to sort of get uh, a big board in, in total solitude and split it into two parts. One part, they should list their mandatory roles in life. Those roles that you can never ever give up, no matter what. Like being a Muslim. Like being a son, if you... If you, I mean, you right? Uh, like being a, a daughter or being a parent, mm. uh, being an uh, be, uh, no, being a Muslim, you can't detach yourself from that role, right? List it all down, and then on the other section, list your elective roles, right? So those are roles that you sometimes assume and sometimes detach yourself from, like the job that you have, the place that you follow, the, the organization that you volunteer with, and so on and so forth. The next step then is to think hard about your dreams about these roles. What will make you proud? Someone said you're a father and this is your description as a father. You know, would you be proud of that description? Yes or no? No. Type, write down for us. Right? Write, write down for yourself. What is your dream uh, father description? What is your dream parent description? What is your dream child description? What is your dream relative description? What is your dream uh, description as a Muslim? Mm. Right? That, that's the vision now. And when you die and you think of yourself as a Muslim, you and, and, and you at that level, you'll be, you be proud. Say, Alhamdulillah. Right? Uh, when you're passing away and you look at your family and think of yourself as a father or as a mother, right? what would make you proud at that moment when you, did, when you look back at your time being a parent? And the same applies to all our roles. Right? Understand that. Then ask yourself a simple question. 
this is my ideal. Where am I from my ideal? Run a gap analysis. We call that gap analysis, right? That this is my ideal. My ideal is up here. And this is where I am. I'm all the way down here. So why is there a gap between me? Oh, firstly, I need to identify the gap. So the gap analysis helps you achieve that. Mm. Then the next uh, step in your thinking day is to have this root cause analysis where you ask yourself, why is there this gap between me and my ideal? Right? Why is there this gap? Maybe I'm giving too much time to an elective role like my work over a mandatory role like being a parent. Yeah. Maybe I need a course. Right? There's this gap because there's certain things I need to know that I don't know. Okay? So I need a course. Root cause analysis. Figure it out. And then finally, a solutions analysis. Whereby now you figure out what you need to do. Do the course, you know, change your work times, change your job. Right? These are the solutions analysis. Put these into effect. Yeah. And then at your next thinking day or cave day, you can now analyze if that gap's you know, becoming smaller or is it getting bigger or it's still the same and then run the, the same analysis. Ask yourself why. So this is one of the things I, the practical steps that I, that, that I, I run with, with some of the youth that I mentor. Um, the other thing that I tell them to do is to develop a board of directors. Right, now, why do I do this? Because my approach with them is that they should treat themselves as a project and they should call themselves Project U. Yeah. Right? Project U. Once you do that, now you need a board of directors because every project does need that and it needs those thinking days because right? every project has uh, days where you sit down and you, you, you draft out the DNA of the project and how it's going to be rolled out. So you've got to have a board of directors, somebody who you trust with halal and haram. You, you know he sincerely wants your success and you will call him and he will be sincere in his fatwa. Someone who you trust with your iman. He might be having... A low moment. He since you know this person sincerely wants my success and you will call him and he will attend to you and he will help you in that matter. Right? Someone who you sincerely, uh, someone who uh, you, you add another person into the board who is good with his shura. He has wisdom. He's a person of experience. And you know that he sincerely wants my success. When I'm making big decisions, I need to speak to him. Why do we need the board of directors? Because if you, if you are judge and jury, of your own life's progress and success, then that's a conflict of interest. And we know where conflict of interest stands, especially in the century that we are in. So these are two practical steps that I, I, I try and implement to ignite individuals so that they become beneficial to their communities. Very, very, um, <clears throat> very practical steps. And um, I guess the second one in particular, um, seeking that advice and counsel. Um, this is something, of course, that our religion promotes, you know, this, this concept of shura. Sure. Yes. Uh, um, it, you know, which is even, mutual consultation. Yeah, yeah, mutual consultation, exactly. I mean, this is actually something that even when you go to uh, even a non Muslim workplace, for example, this is something that they're always advising people to do mm. that get advice from other people, seek counsel, yeah. get that second it, it, opinion. Of course, it. there's also this big thing called uh, in the corporate world known as peer to peer yeah, learning yeah. And, and so on and so forth. It's, it's, it's all there. But Islam came with it first. Mm. Now we might you know, pull the terminologies from, uh, from, from uh, different sciences today, but if we dig deep, really, this was from the Prophet wasallam. this was from the Sahaba, this was from the first three generations of Islam. Mm. Very good, very interesting. Uh, social media, um, uh, a lot of people, they, they turn to social media to get that opinion or to seek validation is that the correct way of going about things you know what i've been having discussions about the same point with uh, yeah. many of our uk scholarship and scholars uh, during this trip as well yeah because there is benefit in the internet but there's also harms hmm. there's uh, rules of engagement that the sharia uh, sets in play in terms of scholars with congregations um, there's something in fiqh known as jurisdictive fatwa, as I like to call it, where it's a fatwa specific to a time and a space. It's not for another uh, scholar to comment in. Mm. And uh, Islam also teaches us that local meaning the local imam, has a greater right to his congregation than uh, a foreign, a foreign imam. Yeah. One of the issues with social media is it's borderless. Mm. So being borderless, uh, borderless. Um, it's difficult to censor congregations from the views of uh, other scholars in different places, especially when those views are not necessarily a hukum shar'i or an Islamic ruling, but rather a fatwa, which is an application of the Islamic ruling. And there's a difference between the two, mm -hmm. because a fatwa is 
something that is applied based on space and time because the Sharia permits this application given the sensitivities of a particular community, right? Now, if that is the case, and then that fatwa is transferred via social media to f uh, followers of their local imams, uh, then there is a reason or uh, a possibility of harm being caused. In fact, we see it. Mm. I've spoken to some local imams who say we actually have a situation where our local communities are losing respect for us, that every time we teach them, we're accused of being backwards, and then they throw out the fatwa or statement or Facebook post or social media post of uh, so-and-so uh, who has uh, a background with Islamic seminaries and study in, from another country and another place, so mm. that now our situation <clears throat> is getting more difficult. Yeah. Right. This 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 is something that um, you know has been admitted in my discussions with, with with some of the local imams. Also, you know, your local imam, he's the one who who, who sweats blood and tears uh, for the progress of the community. He's dealing with the issues on the ground. Mm -hmm. He definitely has a greater right to you, and he's going to draft the vision that this is how I got to go about ensuring that I can, I can progress the community because of these particular issues. If there's interference, the imam's going to fail and ultimately the community's going to fail. Now, I'm not saying the lo local imams um, are perfect, that there's no room for improvement. There's definitely room for improvement. But remember I said earlier, Islam came to bring benefit and make it abundant. Right. If we're going to apply our Islam in a way that reduces benefit and creates harm, then clearly we're doing something wrong. Yeah. Right? We're doing da'wah, but there we have a local imam saying that this da'wah is actually causing my congregation uh, greater problems without them realizing it. Then this is definitely not, uh, this is definitely not something that Islam promotes. Now one of, uh, perhaps this will be your next question, is that what's the way forward? Mm. Right? Because this is something that I've, that I've been asked. And I think... You know, um, we we can no more censor people to information. That age has passed, right? So we should not focus there. We need to focus on the hearts receiving. There's always two entities, right? In this, you have you you have the sender and you have the receiver. If we can't manage things with regards to the sender, then let's help the receiver. Let's now start educating communities on how to manage the Islamic affairs in the age of social media, in the age of all sorts of information that has no censorship, that you don't even have to look for, it will reach you, mm. right? Um, we need to train communities with the rules and regulations in terms of how to deal with that. Our parents didn't need to know this, but we need to, right? I think we need to redefine the borders of knowledge which, fills, which, which sort of falls under the Farduain realm, and knowledge that falls under the Fard Kifaya realm. What do I mean by this? Fard refers to knowledge that every Muslim has to know. Yeah. Right? And Fard Kifaya, knowledge which not every Muslim has to know. It's enough for Islamic scholarship to know. We need to redefine those borders because there's definitely things that our parents didn't need to know. That it's compulsory for Muslims today to know. For people living in this age now, given the change of the world. Right? So our parents didn't need to know about how, you know, how, how to manage themselves with regards to foreign fatawa and so on and so forth because that wasn't an issue in their time we have this issue now so we need to we need to go on an, on on an offensive educating communities that look you can read that stuff yeah. but these are the rules and regulations in terms of how you view that stuff how you think about that stuff right these are the rules of engagement in terms of foreign scholarship and local scholarship because from an islamic perspective Islam teaches us that foreign scholarship should always complement local scholarship, not interfere with it. Mm. Well, we are we're, we're running out of time. The, the, the discussion was getting really interesting. I have uh, I have one final question for you, Sheikh, mm. um, just to bring the discussion back to 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 where we started. Um, how can uh, the Muslims nowadays, uh, those who are listening, how can we be positive? Um, in you know, uh, as we mentioned, mm. it it is quite it's looking bleak for us, right? Um, uh, from from one side of things, but how can we be positive? Barakallahu feek. You can be positive by just being positive, <laughs> right? You know what? Um, don't look at obstacles as obstacles. Try and see them as opportunities. The bottom line is, every matter the world brings to us is a chance for us to build gender. That is an opportunity. It's not an obstacle. 
It's only an obstacle if you fail to build Jannah in that circumstance or situation, mm. right? So even right now, we talked about the whole concept of foreign scholarship, local scholarship. We spoke about Islamophobia, etc., etc., etc. I've always, as you've seen, we're trying to address it as an opportunity to do more, yeah. right? Also, remember, it is not from our faith to be despondent. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam kana yuhibbul fa'al, as 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 we are taught. He used to he used to love optimism. He was mm. optimistic. No matter what, he he always had the smaller number of people in 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 the army, but he he was optimistic. Mm-hmm. It's not about you know numbers. It's about value. It's about quality, not quantity. It's about character, not personality. So um, be positive. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told us that if you see the day of Qiyamah coming, you see it happening, and in your hand is a is a seedling before Qiyamah consumes you. Plant it. Don't lose hope and say, what's the point of planting it? Uh, it's no point. Qiyamah has come. Plant it and you'll see it on your scales with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So um, how should we be positive? By being positive. Be positive. You, you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have the rule book in terms of how to, how to be with your Lord. It's not that we just know Allah. We, now have, we also have the ability to live on earth how he wants us to live on earth. There should be no reason to be despondent when you have this reality alone. Every other thing is a matter of life. We are not in Jannah, we are in the dunya. It's not a perpetual place, it's a temporary place. There's nothing certain in life besides death. That's the reality. Everything comes and it goes. You're sometimes healthy, you're sometimes ill. You're sometimes happy, you're sometimes sad. But sadness won't last forever. Happiness won't last forever. Mm. It's about, you know, just understanding where you are. And finding the opportunity to build Jannah no matter what circumstance you are in. I don't want to sound like a fortune cookie just throwing out sound bites, right? Um, I know in practice uh, it's hard for some people. It's harder. But then that's the, that's the fun part of life. It's about istiqama, right? Istiqama is about applying yourself, pushing yourself. That's what we're here mm. for. Apply yourself to the point that you can find the Jannah building opportunity in whatever you're in. Because wallahi wa billahi wa tallahi. I swear by Allah. Building Jannah doesn't keep anyone despondent. It only makes us happy and makes us motivated. <laughs> you know what? I think that's a very good end because I'm feeling positive now. <laughs> and hopefully our viewers and our listeners are also feeling positive and ready to, inshallah, become more Jannah-centric and ready to, inshallah, leave behind their own legacy. Sheikh Sajid, it's been an absolute honor. Um, like we said, this is this is our first podcast with Umfid, alhamdulillah. And uh, to have yourself on the show, it's been, it's been amazing. And you've shared uh, gems with myself and all of us who are listening, um, which I think is really going to benefit, inshallah. But like you said, right at the beginning, is uh, it's not about just listening to a lecture, right? It's about the it's action. From that... knowing to growing. Yeah. You know, and just, just, just before uh, we sign off, I also want to say it's been an absolute honor uh, being with you all. Uh, an absolute honor. And I say that sincerely. And uh, I make dua for your, your progress, the progress of, of uh, Imfid, and ask Allah to grant you all steadfastness. Amen. And um, uh, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to inspire the future of Imfid, inshallah. Jazakallah khairan, Shaykh. Thank you so much. And uh, all the best with the rest of your travels. And Thank we hope so to have you back here very soon, inshallah. Inshallah. May Allah gather us many times in this life and Ameen. in Al-Firdaus in the hereafter. Ameen. Ameen, ya Rabb. Thank you so much. And uh, to, of course, all of uh, our viewers and listeners, uh, we hope you enjoyed, inshallah, and benefited from the first ever podcast. Uh, there's many, many more to come with different speakers, inshallah. So keep us in your du'as, inshallah. Make sure you subscribe to uh, the YouTube channel, uh, Feed, inshallah. And uh, we're all over social media, so make sure that you follow us to keep up to date with future episodes. More coming very soon this year, inshallah. From myself, Shabir, your host, from Sheikh Sajid and the Umfi team. We'll see you next time, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.